Hi, this is Corey Turner. And along with my wife, Simone, we are the senior pastors of Numa Church. I wanted to thank you for listening to our podcast today. You're about to hear a message from one of our team that we pray builds your faith and empowers you to follow Jesus more closely. Enjoy the message. You hungry for God? Well, I'm going to do my best to share with you what God has given me. It's a little bit unusual because it's not really kind of a sermon. But what I have brought with me, see, Pastor Stacy says that I spit when I speak. She went all the way to Thailand to get this thing, right? And this is apparently a shower cap for a microphone. So for OHS purposes, just gonna do this. Just give me a minute. Can you still hear me? Okay. I'm just gonna preach like this in honor of Pastor Stacy. Is that okay? <laughs> give me just one more minute. <laughs> Seriously, you're all so weird. I love it. I love it. Father, we thank you so much. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you mean an invasion. Thank you that you baptize sons and daughters by fire. Thank you that you're not playing with a devil. Thank you that you're in a different league and he's under your foot. Thank you that every place that our foot treads upon, you have given us. Thank you that Satan is renounced. Melbourne is yours, Bangkok's yours, Hobart is yours, Perth's yours. Thank you for a new day, Lord of all. Thank you that you're here because fire is intended to touch every son and daughter. Let the weak say I am strong. Thank you for an awakening that has been prophesied and what your mouth has declared, your hand shall fulfill forever faithful. We honour you, Spirit of a living God. We're not here for something intellectual. We're not here for a sequence of preaching or information. We're here because we need your fire. You alone can do that. You alone can give that. Awaken us while the world sees the church's dry bones. You see an army. So spirit of a living God, we ask you to do what only you can do in the mighty name that has opened up the storehouse of heaven. The name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Forget the shout. <laughs> the thing's already soaked. <laughs> All right, let's get into the Word of God. Let's get into the Word of God. We're going to read from the book of Isaiah. Book of Isaiah, chapter 6. Here we go. You like Isaiah already? Come on. Book of Isaiah, chapter 6. It should come up on the screen. Here we go. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne high and lifted up, and the train of His robe filled the temple. Above it stood seraphim. Each one had six wings. With two, he covered his face. With two, he covered his feet. And with two, he flew. And one cried to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. 
The whole earth is full of your glory. And the posts of a door were shaken by the voice of him who cried out, and the house was filled with smoke. So I said, woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips and dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the king, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a live coal, which he had taken with the tongs from the altar, and he touched my mouth with it and said, Behold, this has touched your lips, your iniquity is taken away, and your sin is purged. I also heard a voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then I said, Here am I, send me. And he said, Go. And tell these people, keep on hearing, but do not understand. Keep on saying, but do not perceive. Amen. What an incredible encounter between the Lord and his servant Isaiah. I just want to give us a little bit of context before we dive into that encounter. It begins with, the scene begins with that it was in the year that King Uzziah died. Now that's important. Because that was around 740 BC, it tells us a couple of things that are really important for our conversation. The first thing that it tells us is Isaiah had already been a prophet for 18 years. This was not conversion. This was not somebody coming in contact with the Lord and then vowing to live with the Lord. He had already done that. He had been a spokesperson for the Lord and an accomplice of kings for 18 years. This was a whole new fresh fire on the man of God. That would domino effect, that would ripple effect. Who knows that God intends for you and I not to have a single encounter that converts us, but that we live in a world of encountering the divine, touched by fire. And that's why today we want to talk about being touched by fire. The subject matter of our today is catch the fire, spread the fire. So Isaiah has already been operating as a prophet for 18 years. The second thing that we know about King Uzziah, he was a good king. He was a good king. He was the second best king in Judah that Judah had known only second to Solomon. He reigned from the age of 16 for 52 years, more than half a century of prosperity, more than half a century of bringing economic stability more than half a century of the favor of God and the goodness of God that would be extended to Judah through this man of God. Sure enough, in the tail end, according to 2 Chronicles chapter 26, we find that in the tail end of his life, it says that it basically got to him. Pride was found in his heart and then he disobeyed the Lord and walked out on the ways of God. Who knows that pride will turn any man into a predator. If it could turn angels into demons, I tell you what, let us be very careful what we're stepping into. What we're stepping into has no other man's name on it except the name of Jesus Christ. You see, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. The difference between the Lord's resistance or assistance is an issue of pride or humility. So King Uzziah, now whether you like him, don't like him, as soon as he says that in the year that King Uzziah died, 
to the people of Judah, that was a loaded phrase. For some of them, that was the good old days. For others of them, that was another royal belly flop where somebody walks with the Lord and then damages everything. No matter which way you look at it, during that time was a time of instability. During that time was a time of transition. During that time was a time of national crisis. During that time was a time of turmoil in Judah. Here's what I want to say to us about the timing of the encounters of God. You don't have to have all your ducks lined up in a row for the spirit of the living God to come upon your life. In the midst of chaos, often the darkest night is a foretelling of the coming of the Lord. Your life, your family may be in disarray. Your finances may be in disarray. Your heart may be out of whack, but if you are hungry enough for the presence of God, mm -hmm. because God is up for it. There is so much grace that we're going to see here, but I still want to continue just with a context of this so we can get the magnitude of the majesty of an encounter with the living God. You know, Isaiah, Till this very day, till 2022, it's considered as the fifth gospel. So Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Isaiah. Now theologians consider that because of the profundity of revelation of the Messiah and the millions that have come to Christ through Isaiah. One encounter would change him so much and it would change the entire nation of Israel, but it would change generations to come. There is no more quoted prophet in the New Testament than Isaiah. 67 times, 25 times in the Gospels quoted by Jesus. 29 times quoted by Paul, who wrote nearly half of the New Testament. Six times by Peter, five times in the book of Acts and once in Hebrews and once in Revelation. And if you can get into Hebrews and Revelation, you're a heavyweight. The man, everything about him changed. He was already a prophet. You, you could be whatever, but that's not the point. Once you catch fire, things happen differently. And that's what the Lord wants for Numa Church and beyond. He wants us to catch fire again. Enough of religion. You see, when he catches fire, all of a sudden, even though he's been walking with the Lord, but he begins to see the Lord differently and himself differently. He looks at the Lord and all of a sudden, the same Lord that he had walked with, the same Lord, all of a sudden he sees him in different light. He sees him holy. He's separate. He's in a league of his own. He's distinct. He's full of majesty. He sees that the whole earth is full of his glory. See, the earthly throne of Uzziah may have been moved, but the heavenly throne stays the same forever. He saw that there's only one who rules. There's one who governs over the nations. His eyes were open to the majesty of God. But his eyes were open to himself. He looks 
And he says, woe is me, I am undone, for I am a man of unclean lips. Hello. What? You're a man of prayer. You're a prophet. You're the spokesperson for God. But I tell you, once we encounter God, we learn who we are. He had a revelation of himself. People may say whatever they want to say about me and give accolades, but before a holy God, as a matter of fact, he goes on to say, all our righteousness are like filthy rags. Hello. If our righteousness are like filthy rags, what happened to our bad deeds? Got a revelation that placed him back in actually who he was. The apostle Peter saw the majesty, a glimpse of Jesus in the book of Luke, said, depart from me, O Lord, for I'm a sinful man. Where he sees himself for who he is. Job, the most righteous person back then during his time, says to the Lord in the book of Job, chapter 42, verses 5 and 6, with the hearing of the ear, I have heard about you, but now my eye sees you. Therefore, I abhor myself and repent in dust and ashes. The most righteous man on the planet realized how little, insignificant, full of inequity he was. We don't need a lesson in humility. We need an encounter. One encounter from a holy God will put my heart back in its rightful place. One encounter with a holy God will let me know his place and will let me know my place. And those alignments need to happen before God pours fire on his people. I want to let us know, every single one of us in this room right now, every single person who may be listening in podcast or whatever other means in the future, you and I are invited to an open face relationship with God. The invitation of heaven is ridiculous. It has no boundaries. It has no saint or sinner. Because the altar is enough to purge you and to bring you into the fire of God. See, Isaiah, this this messes me. This messes me as I read this thing. Seriously, it messes me. The angel goes to to, to the altar. Read it. A live coal. He picks it up with a tongue. You know why? Because it's really hot. You know why? Because it signified the divine son of God. This was not the altar in the temple. This is the altar before the living God. Where God would offer up his son. Divinity being on the altar for your sin and my sin. The angel could not touch it. So the angel has to go pick up a pair of tongs. But guess what the angel does? Picks up the life coal, signifying divinity, puts it straight on the lips of Isaiah. Too hot for an angel, but made to touch a man. Hang on, Lord. You're messing with us. Are you saying that you're giving us stuff that your grace is so much that you, can, you give us what you wouldn't give an angel? Yes, he is. You see, just read it a little bit closer. Seraphim, we're like, whoa. Seraphim, you got to be kidding. Six wings, my, my, my. 
I just like a pair. He's got six. <laughs> two, he's flying, two covering his feet. But with two, he covers his eyes because he cannot look on the holiness of God. But Isaiah twice in that encounter says, I saw the Lord. Yeah, well, 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 hang on, God. What you're not giving to angels, you're inviting the sons of men to. You're invited to something that even angels are not invited to. Uh-huh. And as I flick through my memory files, I see that that's what the Lord's done with you and I right from creation. When the Lord created everything and anything, it was just by the word. Let there be light, and there was light. Let there be a firmament, and there was a... Let the sea bring forth living creatures, and there was. Let there be vegetation, and there was. But you know when he made mankind? When he made mankind, he didn't just say let. He also touched. You and I are the only created beings that have been touched by God. And from that very day to this very day, God wants to touch you. Because that is the design. We are dependent on regular touches from the Almighty. Regular contact with divinity. That's what God wants for the church. You see, here's when revival happens. Please hear me. Revival happens when Christians are sick of religion and they're ready to encounter God. If you were here last week in the morning, I encourage you, listen to the podcast, Pastor Corey talking about God encounters. It will change your life, I'm telling you. Please go home and hear it. Make sure you hear it this week. Pastor Corey spoke to us about Jacob, another man of God who, guess what, had a profound encounter that would change everything. Genesis chapter 28, we find that he has his first encounter with the Lord. And he sees angels ascending and descending upon this ladder, which is really cool. Really cool. But all that does to him, it doesn't necessarily fully change him. What it does is that he makes up his mind, God is my God and I'm entering into a covenant with him. That's good. But it's not enough. It's not enough. He needed to be touched by God not just see something that would mesmerize him. So we read in the book of Genesis chapter 32, the Lord brings him to the end of himself, to the end of his ability, to the end of his doctrinal nice neat box of who this Jehovah God is, the end of his academic theology, the the end of himself. And when you're at the end in yourself, you're ready for God. Before then, God's got some work to do. You know what the biggest problem in the church is? I'm going to digress, but come back to Jacob. Biggest problem in the church is we think we can do it with just a little bit of help from God. That is the apex of deception. We can't do it with just a little bit of help from God. We need God all together, fire all together, divinity all together. None of me and all of you, not most of me and give me a little bit. Let's see a couple of miracles so that you can attest that the ministry belongs to the Lord. Jesus. 
So Jacob in Genesis 32 has this wrestle with God. I will not let you go until you bless me. Now I'm encountering you when the Lord touches his hip. And for the rest of his life, he lives with that mark, never forgetting the touch of God that has forever changed. Do you know what Jacob says? Jacob in chapter 32 says, I call that place Peniel. Peniel means the face of God. You see, that's the thing that takes us out of religion and into encounter and fire when you and I encounter the face of God. I am convinced that there will be no revival until there is a pineal. There is no revival unless there's pineal. Unless on a personal, revival could be happening all around you, but it doesn't mean you are revival. For revival to happen in you, you and I need pineal. Personal pineal, corporate pineal, touch from God. A personal touch that can't be manufactured. Second Chronicles chapter 7 and verse 14. Have a look at it. Please open up your Bible to that. One of the most straightforward, doctrinal pieces of Scripture when it comes to revival. The Lord gave it to Solomon in an encounter. Second Chronicles chapter 7 and verse 14. If my people who are called by my name. Who's that, by the way? Three of us are willing to have a go. Who's that? My people are called by my name. Is that the sinners out on the road? Is it? No. My people who are called by my name. That's us. Right? If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray. You know how you know we need revival when we lost the spirit of prayer. He says, and pray and seek my face. Peniel. And turn from their wicked ways. It's only then that I'm going to hear from heaven, forgive their sin and heal their land. Can you see how the healing of the land is totally dependent on an encounter with God? They've got to seek my face. God is wanting you and I to press in until we encounter him. To not come out until we encounter him. That's what Jesus said to the apostles. You've been trained for three and a half years. Can you imagine being trained for three and a half years by Jesus? I'd be fit for ministry, right? Right. That's better than any theological college, right? Right. But Jesus said, no, you're not ready. He said, you need an encounter. Go back until fire from heaven has come upon you. And then you're ready. There needs to be a pineal. Now, you may be sitting here and you're going, okay, but we've scheduled revival, haven't we? Can I just say to you, you can't schedule a revival. (laughs) You can't schedule a revival. That's not how it works. What we can do is we can posture our lives so the God of fire would touch sons and daughters. Not just make you talk loud like me, I'm talking about fire. Fire of the Holy Spirit to awaken, awaken sons and daughters to the divine nature, our true essence returning again. We can't schedule a revival, but what we can do is we can posture our lives 
Let me just share with you a couple of things of how we can posture our lives. There's a very instructive passage in the book of Revelation, chapter 3, particularly verses 16 to 18. An angel, meaning an oversight of the church in Laodicea, who thought to himself, you know what? Actually, this is what Jesus says about him. He didn't even think to himself. He thought to himself deep down in his heart, and Jesus called it out. He said, you think that you are rich and that you have need of nothing, but you do not know that you are miserable, that you are wretched, that you are poor, that you are naked. I counsel you, not I judge you, I counsel you, buy from me gold refined in the fire. He says, if you want an awakening, son, if you want to walk in the ways of the Lord, you're going to need fire. Not to think you're all good. I don't know who's hungry with me today. I need some God fire. I need some God fire in my bones. So we need to posture. We need to press in. That's why in the book of James chapter 4 and verse 8, James says, draw near to me and I will draw near to you. You know what the problem is? The problem is that we have made the means the end. Prayer is a means to an end. Reading the Bible is a means to an end. It's not an end in itself. Those things are the channels through which we encounter God. When you pray, when I pray, it's not just about coming together, it's about encountering God. It's about touching God and being touched by God. Can you and I induce it? No, but we can posture for it. We can go relentless. We can say with Jacob, I will not let you go until, until God, until you touch my life. Enough of religion, right? I think we've had enough, right? It, it, it makes us want to puke. We want to see the power of God. We want to see the power of God. We want to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of a living. Mm -hmm. Uh-huh. Problem is, I think, but, but praise be to God, we're really running away from that, that spirit. We're Mac Jesus in a drive through type saviour where we come into church, we get what we want and then leave. Oh, I'm actually feeling sick saying it. That's not what the Lord is after. The Lord is after that we seek His face with all of our hearts. Book of Jeremiah chapter 29 and verse 13. You will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. That means that the heart is set. It is set. It's, it's not set on anything else. My heart is set on seeing my God. I'm being with my God. I'm being touched by my God. And my God touching me. That's what the Lord wants. But I want to let us know something just in the last few moments. That the Lord does not just want us to catch fire so that we can feel good. Right? We catch fire so we can spread fire. When we talk about catching fire, we are talking about the very impartation of the nature of God becoming predominant in your personhood. 
When we talk about catching fire, we're not talking about go and that's it, lock yourself up and we become so insular. God wants us to inhale His presence so that we can exhale mission. God wants that the majesty that He showed Isaiah, which turned into mercy and a purging of sin, turns into mission. What is upward works inward, then it flows outward. We are called to catch fire and spread fire. Have you noticed fire always spreads? You don't have to tell fire to spread. Who instructs fire to spread? It is the nature of fire to spread. People go, I can't really share. I can't really lay hands on a sick. I get it, I get it, I can't either. But I tell you what, once we catch fire, we will. Catch fire to spread fire. Open up with me to the book of John, chapter 7. Have a look at this. Book of John, chapter 7 and verses 37 forward. Because the Lord doesn't just want us to experience revival. The Lord wants us to be revival. Just make sure you know that. Lord is not talking about a meeting. Lord's not talking about a gathering. That's part of it. That's what happens when you bring life calls together. Right? Then it's, then it's a big fire. Right? But the Lord's not talking about me. The Lord's talking about you and I being revival. So wherever you go, you are revival. Your revival in your uni, your revival in your workplace, your revival in the street, your revival in the shopping center, your revival in the cafe. You are revival when the Lord sets you aflame. Book of John, chapter 7, verse 37 Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. I'll just leave it up there for a moment. Can you see the sequence? If you're thirsty, what do you do? You have a drink. And then that drink, what happens? It becomes in you a river that goes out of you. Do you see? You drink first, and then what you have drunk goes out and spreads. That's the way that God does all of what He does. We are receivers of the kingdom, then we become releasers of the kingdom. We catch fire, then we spread fire. You know what the Lord said to the apostles? He brought them together. He said to them, hey, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. That means I've imparted fire to you with that same fire. You don't hold that back. You take it everywhere. You catch fire, you spread fire. Can can you just come with me on a journey of imagination for 30 seconds? Humor me. Humor me if just a few hundred, right? Not even all Numa. Just humor me that a few hundred of us, because we're catching fire, Right? Imagine every week, every single one of us, just once a week, walked up and down your streets. Imagine you walked up and down your streets and you spent half an hour, an hour just interceding for the suburbs. God save Doncaster in the name of Jesus. Father, bring revival to Box Hill in the name of Jesus. Just walk up and down the streets. Can you imagine if the streets were filled with prayer? Can you imagine? Just a few hundred, no, 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 not many, not many, just a few hundred. 
that said, you know what? You know what? I believe God that I will lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Why not? And you're overhearing conversations in cafes and cafes everywhere, shopping centres everywhere, universities everywhere, and the sons and daughters who are on fire begin to release fire. Can you imagine what Melbourne would look like? If the Lord did it with 300 from Gideon, won't He do it again? Why not catch fire so that we can spread fire? You're saying, oh, you're putting out all the fire through all the water that's coming out of your mouth. <laughs> okay, maybe worship team join me so I don't go over time. I want to honour your time. I want to I tell you just one last thing. One last thing. Anybody heard of FedEx? Transport company? Let me, let me give you some stats on FedEx. FedEx. Every day, FedEx delivers over 4 million packages. That's pretty impressive. Okay, every day, they deliver to more than 220 countries. That's pretty impressive. They have 170,000 employees, 675 aircrafts, 50,000 ground vehicles, 1,800 office locations. And the amazing thing is, FedEx delivers within a 24 to 48 hour turnaround all the time, no exceptions. Now, I'm not doing a commercial for FedEx. <laughs> but I genuinely believe that the church is also in the package delivery business. I genuinely believe it. I believe we are in the package delivery business. What we actually need, we need a spirit like that of Isaiah to say, here am I, send me. I'm not an employee of FedEx, but I am an employee of heaven. And I'm ready to deliver not only the long-term assignment, but my daily assignments that God will have packages to give sons and daughters. God will give you a package for today. You will go out in the street, the Lord, the Holy Spirit will give you a package of fire. It will look like a word of knowledge. The Lord, the Holy Spirit will give you another package of fire. It will look like an act of kindness and service. The Lord, the Holy Spirit will give you a, a prophetic word that you're to deliver to somebody and intercept the work of the devil. The last time I read my Bible, God was still after sons and daughters who were prodigal and it was still the mission of a church of Jesus Christ to bring back the lost. How will they believe unless someone preaches? Can I say to us Numa Church, this is not a season, this is a lifestyle that we're living in. The cry of our hearts, needs to be God, I need to catch fire. Wake me up, wake me up. I've been living diluted, but it's about time Lord set me on fire again. And I'm not just gonna take fire so I can feel good and get goosebumps. I want fire so I can spread the kingdom of the living God. You up for it? 
you up for it. Here's what I believe the Lord's going to do in the last few moments. I believe that some of us, the Lord has made clear actually our life assignment. I know that that's not even what we spoke about, but I'm really feeling it up here. I'm feeling like there's assignments, heaven assignments that that have just been embedded, 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 embedded. The Lord is... The Lord is all over it. The Lord is saying, yes, son, yes, daughter, that is me. I've called you to it. Some of you are getting fire in your heart for a place, for a people group. And you're going, whoa, what's that? That's the fire of God that is to touch you, that is going to send you. The Lord just needs you to say, okay, done deal, here am I, send me. For others, Pastor Dave Hickman a couple of weeks ago was talking about how there was an impartation of the gift of healing in his life. And when he received prayer of that impartation, his hands got hot. Did you notice that the Lord touched Isaiah's lips? His lips must have gotten hot. God touches the very place that He's going to use. And it feels like fire. He was gonna use Isaiah as a spokesperson. So He touched his lips. Some people get a touch on their hand and it's like really hot, but that's because God has given you the gift of healing to catch fire so you can spread fire. I'm telling you, even in the next few moments, but especially this week, I feel like there's going to be a few encounters, but I wanna decode them ahead of time for you. In those encounters, there'll be certain burnings but now you know that's the Lord making you catch fire so that you can spread fire. Amen. Thank you for joining us for this message today. We don't assume that every person listening has a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And so today we invite you to begin following Jesus as your Lord and Saviour. The Bible teaches that every one of us has been created for a relationship with God. Sin has separated us from that relationship, but God loved us so much that He gave us His one and only Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus lived, died, and rose again, conquering sin, Satan, and death itself. If we believe in our hearts that God has raised Jesus from the dead, and we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, we will be saved. So if you are ready to pray in faith, turning away from your sin and believing in Jesus for your salvation, please pray this prayer. Dear Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God and I ask you to forgive me and cleanse my heart from all of my sin. I receive by faith the free gift of eternal life and I ask that you would fill me with the Holy Spirit. I thank you that I am born again as a child of God and that you have made me a new creation in Christ Jesus. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you have prayed that prayer for the first time, We would love to know and help connect you to a local church in your area. You can contact us on our website, numa.church. Thank you for listening.